Ash, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> Stupid Pokemon kid. No, he just rocked up. It's the problem with an 18 year old, he just turns up at random times. <laughs> I mean, that's part at, of it. At home? Yeah. Well, at home. Yeah, he's been out all day. He's just got home. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 126 of the Player 2 Pixelcast. My name is Matt Houston. I'm here to uh, kind of chaperone this evening's proceedings into some sort of vaguely intelligent conversation. Uh, whether that happens or not, we're yet to find out. But helping me along the way are three lovely gentlemen who have been around here fairly often and, you know, know their way to the end of a podcast. First, we have our ye old faithful leader, Tim Henderson. How are you, mate? I'm okay. I mostly know my way to the end of a podcast, although I've been having weird um, Adobe Premiere issues lately where for some reason it always will not re like just recognize the final five minutes or so of recording. So we need to go long, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll just keep talking at the end. Like, we'll find that really hard to do, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that man giggling there is Rob, Cap Rob Caporetto. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good considering everything, but we're doing good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that... it's a depressing place at the moment, isn't it? It really is. It's been over a yeah. decade now, I feel, since it's every year has kind of leveled up. On the yeah, on everything. the on the shit show, yeah, mm. it's pretty sad. And on that note, Ken, how are you? Oh, good. Yes, I'm yes. good. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> mm, you know, uh, it's never it's never like good, good. Neither is it ever like bad, bad. It's just. Uh, I'm going to say there were points okay. where it was like good, good before 2013. So we're kind of we're like literally like I feel like a decade deep in, like, just recognizing everything is shit. Yeah. 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 Kind of is like that, yep. And it just seems to be getting worse. Late stage capital and people. Yay. 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 Microsoft is the most profitable company in the world. We're going to fire a thousand people anyway. Two thousand. Yeah. Two thousand. My bad. Yep. Yes, yes, it is a horrible start of the year for jobs in the game industry. Uh, but we're going to try and lift the mood and talk about stuff that we'd love to see come back. Uh, games from our past that have had once successful runs at our entertainment spaces and are now consigned to history. We'd love to see a few of them make a return. And let's face it, the games industry really loves a lazy idea and it they like to get a remake. It so like... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. So remakes are in, right? Like, yeah, remakes are up. in. <laughs> so we've got a chance here, people. But before then, he, uh, we're talking about games we've been playing. And uh, first up, we've got, we've got a couple of quickies here. We might start with one of the quickies. Ken, you have been diving into the world of competitive uh, teabagging. How's it going? Uh... Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you like games that are infinitely frustrating, um, and you get headshot the moment you turn around a corner, and then you wait for the next round to begin, and then you rinse repeat the process over and over again, and nothing you you seem to do gets you any progress whatsoever, then have I got the game for you? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I am so confused right now. Like two weeks ago, you were raving about the finals. I don't know why you've decided to move on to this other shooter. Oh, well, because they're both free. Um, <laughs> That's a good qualifier. <laughs> time is money, Ken. Time is money, money is power, power is pizza. Let's go. Um, but Counter-Strike 2, it's more Counter-Strike. It's very Counter-Strike. And all, all the maps are there. Um, the online experience is pretty, sub, you know, pretty on par with what you expect with Counter Strike. I, th- I think, you know, if I were much, much younger with much better reflexes, I, I would enjoy this game far more. But it's just Counter Strike is just maybe not my thing anymore. It's so punishing. It's so the 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 um. It's partly being younger, or I mean. God, it's I, the barrier to entry. Like this yeah, is. This is be- I mean, there are people. There are people our age who have been playing this game since they were fifteen. Yeah. Nonstop. It's, it's, like. it's the very. It's the very epitome of when somebody tells you to get good. <laughs> right. Because if you're not good, you're going to have a terrible time, and it's very, very hard to get good. Yeah. Um, in Counter Strike, it's just. When is, yeah, I have. When around is as quick as they could be. If you're. Yeah. Sounds like my experience playing it last time I played on on pub servers. Oh, not played Counter Strike since I think around the year two thousand. I have a very specific and actually pretty happy memory tied to it that will never be replicated because for some reason there used to be a small land center opposite my local doctor surgery, of all places. Um, and like there were just a couple of summers where, well, maybe a couple of times during the one summer. Where just like a bunch of friends, it was called Megahertz, which is a dumb name because it got dated very quickly. Um, but yeah, like just like, and it just meant that like just computers all in a room together, neatly lined up, ready to go. It was almost like a small slice of Korea. Yeah, it's, and, and look, that was fun because everybody was on the same level. Yeah, if like I said, it's the very definition of get good. Um, weapons are as you remember it. Movement is as you remember it. Um, there's been a few improvements, uh, particularly when it comes to sm- some of the uh, smoke bombs. There's this whole series in which they're talking about how the smoke grenades work, and it's actually quite impressive. It's like it's now volumetric. Like I think that's probably the most impressive thing tech-wise for me, like from a from a casual standpoint. It's really cool when you throw a gas a smoke bomb into, say, like a tunnel, and the gas actually fills up the um, the space that it's in, and as people shoot bullets through, you actually see it. You see bullets sort of piercing through the smoke and coming out the other end. So you see all these like um, concentric circles as bullets whiz, whiz through. So there's some impressive tech happening there, especially considering um, that like basic transparencies in alpha effects in like 1999 mm-hmm. would just tank any frame rate. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you people used to used to spam like this is this is like early two thousands. They used to spam smoke grenades because they they knowing they know it lags other people's computers, right? Like that was a trick. And then also yeah. another trick was turn down your transparency on your own computer settings, so like to to reduce the effect of that happening to your computer. Like there's all these weird little things, and now no, 
they've they've taken a, a different approach to to smoke grenades. That's interesting. The weapons are all there. You've got your fateful P90 and your MP5s and your M4 with the silencer. Like all the weapons are there. It sounds exactly the same. Um, the purchase menu is pr- pretty much the same. Like it's just everything that you like and dislike. It's all there, but it's just so shiny right now. Yeah. Um, and it's free. And so you could just play this for hours and hours, but it's just, look, if you love Counter-Strike or Counter-Strike Go, this is just more of that, probably yep. like polished to the highest level it possibly can be. Um, but if you were one of those people who's just like, I really hate that guy with the Arctic rifle on the other side of the map, you're going to continue to hate the game so much. And I'm probably on that end of the scale. Right, so Counter-Strike 2 is Counter-Strike with pretties. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, then. Well, Rob, you've been taking to the skies. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have. So I've been playing Project Wingman. Um, uh, Basically, it came out on PC a few years ago, but a couple of months ago, it came out on PS5, which is the version I've been playing. One of the big things um, with the PS5 version is they've added support for... They've got a bunch of missions with uh, PSVR 2 support. I don't have a PSVR 2, so I haven't actually had a chance to try that. It, it does support uh, Oculus on... Oh, Steam PC. VR on PC. PC. Ah, yeah. ah yeah. cool. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I haven't checked the PC side of it. Um, uh, Ken did a plays on it a pretty long time ago. Um, if you want some... Uh, want to check there, see what that's like. But I've been having a good blast with it. Like, it's basically... What if Ace Combat, but a little less polished? Um, like it's a little less melodramatic with the story so far. But I'm only, I'm <laughs> yeah, only. That's, that's pretty easy. I want, I, want more, I want more polish and more ludicrousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, like it plays really well. Like it's, it's. Um, I, I think one thing I do like is the way that they handle the weapon storage is a little, little, little more friendlier basically depending on the plane you pick when you um go into a mission you have um like you always have your standard missiles in one bay and you can have up to three more hard points that you can select and unlike ace combat you only have to just buy the planes you have to buy the individual weapons but i can't remember if you had to do an ace combat seven i've been playing no, with ace combat four do I, yeah I, I reviewed it way back when when it came out yeah it's been a while since i've played I ace seven did, yeah yeah so that's something that streams like streamlines it pretty well. You just buy your fighter when you when you when they're available, and then you just pick your, your slots and go in. There is a lot more like there's a lot more when you're in mission. There's a lot more chatter on the radio. At least it feels like from memory. Mm. Um, so there's bits of ups and, and downs. It's like again, I think the best way to put it is if you like Ace Combat Seven and you you want more, and we don't know when. Nam- Bandai Namco are doing Ace Combat 8, but we don't know if that's in, even in development. Um, but this will scratch the itch very nicely. I've been having a good time with it, and I definitely want to go back and continue playing it. I've been having been having I, a good blast with it so far. Yeah, what I think is really impressive is that the team that developed this is extremely small. It's effectively a one-person or a two-person team. Yeah. Um, um, and based one. out of Australia as well, so a little 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 national pride there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's extremely like if you consider what they've accomplished in this game with the, the I mean, it says it's a little rougher than Ace Combat, but like Ace Combat has a team of however many. Um, yeah, this is effectively a team of two or three people. Yeah, maybe, maybe um, even one, and it's just 
that it comes so close is just technically impressive. Yeah. Um, the flight models are pretty decent. The weapon feel is pretty decent. Um, graphically, it looks real good, especially if you're high up in the sky. Like, you know, as you get really low down to the ground, you can start to see, I guess, like the pixelation and everything. But if you're flying at a rel- relatively high altitude, that's like everything looks pretty good. Um, I found the story to be, like you said, it's like less melodramatic, but also very melodramatic. It's this mm. weird sort of like it's very Tom Clancy. Yeah, mm. that's a good it, way of putting it. I would agree very, with that. Yeah, Ace Combat is just total anime, whereas yeah. this yeah. is like Tom Clancy. This is very like some of all fears, Rainbow Six, like we got to take them down. It's always some gruff person saying, like, we've got to take them down. Oh, no, you've, like, I think the second mission in, you blow up some some ship and the ship turns out to be carrying nuclear weapons and then the, like, the nuclear yeah. weapon like, goes up. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> yeah, there was the, um, there was the, one of the missions I just did was the one where you, um, you're having to, like, go retake a base and it's like oh yeah getting those getting those runs and the, the one i'm on right now is the one where you have to you're strafing like um like power power um refining a power refining site and that's like oh yeah there's a lot of that so um yeah it's yeah. um yeah as i, was, I said oh, go i was ahead. actually i was i was just gonna say like it reminded me of hawks do you remember hawks yes yes Tom yeah. Clancy's Hawks. That was good. I enjoyed yeah. that. The first one was, oh was really solid. Well, that's a weird memory to just... I completely <laughs> <got that message. laughs> it was like early PS360 era. Yeah, yeah early PS360 that's era. right. The second one wasn't as good from memory. No. The first one was quite good. Well, yeah. Again, it, it, the first one stroked that you've beaten Ace Combat 6 and you, you yeah. want more. And so you had more. Um, yeah. And this, well, that was yeah. the Ace Combat real version one, wasn't it? Yeah. Assault Horizon. Yeah, we're going to make this one in no, the real Orcs world. No, came out before. Oh, I did it. Um, okay, right. And then it came out after Ace Combat Six, which was uh, 360 exclusive. Ah, right. Um, so yeah, so Hawks came out after, that, and then there was a few years before Assault Horizon, which everyone didn't like. <laughs> I didn't um, mind it, but you know, it, it wasn't. I never. I, I skipped it actually. Um, yeah. It, it has literally a quick time event to fist pump at the end of the game, and that oh, wins game of the year. When did that come out? That wins game of the year every time. <laughs> oh, oh, the other thing I think, like Project Wingman, is really impressive is also just like the number of planes they've got in it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. I'm not like a big, like I'm not a big flight sim aficionado, especially this type of like more arcadey flight sims, I couldn't particularly tell how different one plane felt from the other. Like I'm not like fully into the nuance of that. Yeah. But the spread of planes that they have included, it's like, oh wow, you know that's a lot of that's a lot of time you spend modeling these things. Yeah. They've done a they've done a good job of that. It's like as as early as I am in it, only a few hours in, there's definitely been a good selection already and i can't wait to see what else gets unlocked um and as i progress further in the campaign well yeah. from flying i guess to uh dying a lot <laughs> depending on how good you are tim yeah you, you joined the rest of us and have discovered god of war 
Yeah, like, went to, like, the... This my thing is always by the runner-up in the non-official game of the year situation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I finally found... I needed something kind of like chunky to occupy me over the winter, and it didn't occur to me to ask you so for a review copy of a certain thing that may come up in a little bit. Um, so yeah, I finally <laughs> finally got my God of War Valhalla. Valhalla on, and, let, and there's something I messaged you so about this very early on when I started playing it, and it's just kind of snowballed more and more until like I finally rolled credits and then rolled real credits. Yeah, which is. Just the kind of the, the weird soupy way in which games are bleeding in their identities are kind of bleeding across each other and like what is this anymore? Like so I'm playing this and it only got worse the more I got in where I'm playing God of War and what I'm getting out of it is kind of what I would want from a Final Fantasy game. Whereas on the other hand, Final Fantasy sixteen maybe did a better job of giving me what I'd expect from a God of War game except a Final <laughs> Fantasy game. There's definitely there's definitely more like of that classic God of War feel of the bombast with the giant bosses, like the boss especially fight, honestly, in, the boss in fights Final in Final Fantasy sixteen, like just a scale and scope and just yeah. emptiness of them. Just that Titan fight was. Oh, you finally ridiculous. got there. That fight is nuts. No, I've done the Titan. I've done the Titan. I've, I've wild through Titan, but uh, I'm 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 in where the under the ocean now. They've just I've just had that fight under the ocean where they've. They split the shores, so I haven't got back to yeah, it after the that. The basic yeah. point is that um, I, the, the combat and the scale of the battles in Final Fantasy probably actually outdoes. Mm. Um, God, God of War's War. definitely gone that more but grounded. God of War's yeah. character writing and world building, <laughs> yeah, absolutely outdoes Final Fantasy sixteen. It is super weird like that. Um, and, <laughs> but the, I cannot stress like the character writing is actually incredibly good. Like, they they really managed to, like, land some stuff that they kind of set up in the first game, and I was like, that seems like it was not an easy thing. Like, by the end... Because mm. the, the the big turn, like, the big twist that kind of made a lot of people who were just over it interested in God of War again when the 2016... Was it 2016? 18, maybe. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's right. 18, 18, yeah. God of War came out was like oh like kratos is like changed now he's no longer just two-dimensional i'm mad kill a million things have sex with a random woman in a qte event and i'm like re- re- yeah repeat and like it's almost like he's kind of confronted with like just how toxic his like life had been and like a vengeance quest doesn't really justify that and they managed to go like kind of full circle with that they do very very well with the relationship with his son as well um, and they bring it to the point where, like, you kind of actually like him. Like, you feel like he's actually somehow become a decent person. Yep. Like, he still has problems, but you're like... And to take a character like that and get there! Yeah. He's... Especially, I think, even more so than his son, is his interactions with Freya, I found... Oh, yeah, like... Were exceptional. That- like, like, some of the best action game writing that, I think I've ever yeah, seen like, it was just the yeah. way they I don't because it's kind of gets a little bit spoiler if you try and say too much there but obviously it's something that like they're interacting more than once over the course of that story and the way they kind of like grow that mm. into something over time is just yep. yeah although I get let's say like 
it's like this really great summary. It's like right at the end of the game. I think you can say the dialogue without spoiling it. But needless to say, like something bad is happening. Something bad is almost always happening in this game. So that's <laughs> not to it. But there's a point where it like, be a God of War game is like, I guess as part of his just reckoning with himself and trying to accept, like deal with the way he's like dealt with all this um, bloodthirst vengeance, whatever. And at some point he just says kind of the line, which is almost like this stoic, generic kind of, maybe it's better this way. And then Kate, and then Atreus just yells out like, better for who? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like it wasn't the thing was like it's funny to look back on but at the time it's just like yeah man <laughs> yeah I also love the fact and I, I mentioned this to you when you were talking about it Tim that Odin essentially is straight out of the Sopranos I've never watched the Sopranos like, but I was he, he's like dead set just a character from Sopranos because he's kind of like I forget the actor that plays him but he, he plays it like this scheming, you know, sly mobster. But you could also and, and, be tricked into liking him a little bit, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, the lovable, the lovable mafia guy that, you know, you know he's a dick, but he's kind of alright, you know? The thing is, if things are going well and you're not in his bad side, he's probably a decent guy to be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I loved that characterization of Odin because no, they- you immediately think of Odin as this almighty god figure and he's not. He's this kind of weedy looking, um, you know, kind of older fellow that, that looks looks more like, like a book. like an arm around your place. shoulder kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm going to take yeah. you in and treat you well, see I'm not so bad and so long as things go the right way, he like he won't be bad to you unless he needs to be, but he's always doing, you know, bad stuff. Yeah. Boy, I'm sim- in the interest of avoiding any kind of spoilers. We have to basically talk like Donald Trump when describing these characters. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> very, gra- very bad, very great things. That's as bad you know, as far as my vocabulary goes. You know, that's actually very. That's an interesting thing because you know, if you're into Greek mythology and that sort of thing, like that's actually much closer to how those characters are depicted. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did read to be, that they did that on purpose. Yeah, they're meant to be fallible. They're meant to be more like human. Yeah, they, and Thor is far more interesting than the um, Marvel version as well in this actually. Yeah, they're, they're not meant to be like all powerful, all seeing, all knowing. Like, can never do any wrong. Gods, they're like in 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 that mythology that they're supposed to be like they, they are passionate and, and scheming. Yeah, and, yeah. there's a and, certain. Hollywood to this, but yeah, that, it feels much more true to what you imagine these gods were probably imagined as however mm. thousands of years ago at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah. definitely like made an effort on the research. Um, all that said, like the combat does like open up over over time, and I did get to click. Um, gradually came to click with it. Um, going from whatever it was I was playing first, where the attack buttons were mapped to like the square and the X to like getting used to using the triggers, is why I think I did die a lot early on. Like it has its. It really has its own control scheme, yeah. Which maybe it doesn't need to. Well, it kind of leans into almost the souls like in controls. Like a lot of souls like use that same, it, yeah, uh, style of control. So it, I think, yeah, it's not definitely not a souls like, but it's kind of actually once I get heading in that direction in some ways. Yeah, yeah. So mostly it, it took me a while to grok. It like really took me a while to grok with it, and it helped that I had a lot of free time, so I finally did. Um, that mm. said, like main criticism, and I think everybody said this before me is way too way too many um systems upon subsystems upon subsystems upon like little mechanical like oh this is cooldown this is bifrost this is whatever it's like okay like 
you if you're gonna go this like simplify that shit man like no i'm like i yeah. don't i'm like i still don't understand exactly what some of those things did like there are so many categories that like weapons and armor could like be upgraded or like geared towards in yeah, I think I found a set about halfway through that pretty much did me for the well, whole some, game. Yeah, at some point but, it's like, yeah. okay, I like what I've got. I'm just going to keep on upgrading this because it's just too much to like even think about. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people do like that kind of gear grind and like to min-max and all that sort of shit. So it is um, it's there for... Though, I do like that you don't have to do it to succeed. So if you want to do it, go nuts. If you don't, then just ignore it. I was thinking that for a bit, but I always found, and very, very mild spoiler, but so obvious I'm not going to consider it, is like, so when you do play as Atreus, I always yeah. immediately clicked with his combat way more easier than Kratos. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's actually easier or if it's just the way that his stuff was geared that like worked for me better, and because there were so many different bells and whistles and like effects going on, I was never able to exactly... Work it out. Work yeah. it out, <laughs> so it would go both ways. Cool. But yeah, it's still right, pretty good. Well. Um, could have been relevant, but I have not actually played that new free DLC that came. <laughs> That's next. That's next. Next episode. From hitting people with a giant axe to hitting people with a giant tuna. I guess yes. it's my turn to talk <laughs> like a dragon. <laughs> the new like a dragon is out, which is the uh, ninth game in the mainline franchise yeah, wait. um wait a sec wait yeah so yeah, nine, nine. it's it's yakuza zero, eight. zero well like a dragon eight and then there's yakuza zero which throws things out and then there's spin-offs and all that other shit let's just say this is ichiban's uh, ride once again he is back after like a dragon seven um and uh, this one's called infinite wealth though i'm not quite sure why uh it's not really clear. I mean, there's vague allusions to bad guys with money, but that's about as eh, wealthy as get. It might be some deeper meaning it could about be some friendship. Pun in Japanese, I mean, it just doesn't translate. Yeah, it just it, yeah. I mean, forget the subtitle. It doesn't matter. This is a clear uh, indication that developers are listening to their players because all the problems that ha- uh, Yakuza Seven had, it was a very good attempt at at turning the the Yakuza series into a turn-based JRPG. It had some problems, though. It had some massive difficulty spikes, which forced players to grind for ages to get past them to see the story. Except for that. You say problems. I just feel like that is just such a huge hurdle. Like, it it was a massive issue. Where I couldn't grind. Yeah. I was just stuck in the Oh, no, there was always the dungeons and stuff, but yeah. Um, I was, no, literally in a story beat between, like, two boss fights, and I oh, got past right. one and could not get past the other, and I just did not have enough healing items or skill, and yeah. I don't know how I could have gotten through there. You would have had to go back to an older save. But um, this game does, fixes all of those problems. For starters, I didn't find it all just playing it normally, and I was fairly rushing through this game because I, I was reviewing it before Embargo. Um, I didn't ever find I was too far off the mark uh, where, when it came to levelling. And also, when you come to major story beat missions, the game warns you at what level you should probably be at. So it gives you that heads up before you go in. So it might say, hey, you, you probably should be level 30 before you tackle this one. And if you were level 29, you probably could have managed it. But, you know, if, you were, if you'd really rush through and you're only level 24, it was probably an idea to go and do some side stuff or do a dungeon or something like that. And um, as with all 
these games, that stuff is a shitload of fun, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, the mini games in this one, uh, it's, it's almost unfair to call them mini games. They could have easily spun them out into like $20 games on their own. There's a, there's the Suchimon mode, which is, uh, Pokemon knockoff. Um, <laughs> So you, you capture the enemies that you fight, uh, and you do that by giving them a gift pack full of wonderful gear, and then you and then you say, "Hey, I'll teach you how to fight better, buddy." And you, and then they go, "Yes." So instead of a pokeball, you've got this gift pack that you give them, and and hope that they come and join your side. And then you battle them against other Sujimon masters in this whole storyline of like oh, wow. ni- nine stages of Sujimon battles and all this other this stuff. Somehow starts with Nancy. Oh, uh, no, no, it doesn't, doesn't. It starts with the, the Sujimon professor from the Yakuza 7, but yeah, he, he rocks up and it, it, it's, it's, it's just absolute batshit, right? Um, <laughs> then there's the Animal Crossing mode called <laughs> Dakotu Island. That actually looks pretty good. I've watching some footage of this. It was addictive as crack, let me tell you. <laughs> like, and instead of, instead of clearing rubbish like you did on Animal Crossing, you hit it with your baseball bat because it's Yakuza, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you, you do all the things. You're trying to turn this resort back into its former glory, and these pirates have been using it as a dumping ground, and they don't want you to get rid of their favorite dumping ground. So you've got to get rid of the trash and get rid of them, and then, yeah, upgrade all the buildings and, and bring new guests. And, inf- and as you roam around the open world, you can invite people to your island. So certain story characters and, and randoms in the street that, that you know, have a certain icon above the head you can invite them to your island and then you've got to kind of make sure their stay is happy and and they've got everything they need when they're there and it's it's wild like i could have spent way longer in that um but i had a little game you need all all your energy going on about it like oh it really does and like i could have spent way longer in that but i had to bail again once again for the review and the final one which isn't as quite as big but uh, classic Sega fans will love it. It's called Super Crazy Delivery Service, and it's just Crazy Taxi. But you're uh, you're like an Uber Eats deliverer on a bike, and you've got to collect the food as you go to the to the pickup points. I know the answer is going to be no, but please tell me they've licensed the offspring for the soundtrack when this happens. <laughs> no, they have, <laughs> they have not. <laughs> And you have to do tricks on the way to get your meter up, and you get more money if you you did you were like fully sick on the way to your delivery. Uh, <laughs> it's just stupid. It's not as big as the other ones, but super fun and a really cool way to earn some money. There's two full dungeons in the last game. There was only one. Um, in this game, there's two full dungeons with three difficulty levels each, which are all really fun. Good ways to earn rare crafting items and, you know, a really good way to try out new jobs because the job system's back from the last game. So essentially, for those that don't know, you've got uh, your normal character levels and then you've got your job level. And each job has different moves, um, special abilities, things like that. So, for example, uh, Ichiban is uh, starts as a hero job. Um, and he's, he's, he's got a whole bunch of moves built around that, but then you can change his job later on to, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Geo Dancer, which is like a Hawaiian kind of thing where he, he does Hawaiian moves. There's a surfer character job where you hit people with fish and, and octopus and uh, surfboards and, and there's a, there's a pop star and a cook and all these other little things that you can do. 
Um, they're all super crazy and fun. So doing the dungeons are a really good way to level those up and, and, and kind of make this. And you can kind of chop and change moves from each of the jobs. And this goes for all of your, your party. You've got a party of four. So you can do it for all of them and, and chop and change moves between them and kind of make your own kind of uh, character there. Uh, Kiru is in this one. Um, he's uh, a lot of fun uh, in this, actually. There's, it's the real odd couple sort of humor going on between Ichiban and Kiru that works. Because, um, you know, oh. Kiru's the stoic guy and Ichiban's like... This lovable idiot sort I of thing. I don't understand how this team has somehow made two Heart of Gold characters that are both awesome. Yep. They've just nailed it. It's honestly. just that Kiddo's like driven so by cool. duty and honor and Kiddo's just like, yeah, enthusiasm. Yeah, pretty much. He's going, I'm going to help you. I don't, and there's this whole, this chick in this game, she keeps stabbing him in the back, but he's like, oh, no, I, I said I'd trust you, so I'm going the whole way. And he just keeps this big grin on his face and, and she goes, <laughs> I'm sorry I stabbed you in the back and you know, that's all right. You know, I'll just keep on, you know, walking down the street. <laughs> and the, the, it, it's just everything about this is, is the promise showed in seven. They've nailed it here. Um, it is the best Yakuza game. And as someone that's played through all of them now, um, all of them that's available in the West anyway, uh, I can't, I can't say how much high praise that is from me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. It's probably not going to be game of the year on any of the major sites, but it's probably going to be my game of year. I, I think it's very hard to see any game coming out that's going to top my pure, constant smile I had on my face while Alan playing Wake the game. 3 just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, my, I started my review with um, fuck it, it's fun. And that feels like the whole design philosophy behind the series, but never has it been more um, obvious than in this one. Like, there is, they've thrown the kitchen sink out of it. And the only reason they've put all this stuff in, in is because it's fun. Like, it doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't have to uh, make sense. It's just fun. And, of course, and I guess that studio is just really efficiently run. They've been able to, like, iterate and improve and not go off the rails yep. as, like, a lot of studios did during the um, switch to HD, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And they've just they've just nailed it. And honestly, if you've ever... Uh, enjoyed the Yakuza games. This is a no-brainer. Um, it's not bad as a jump-in point. I would probably start at 7 and try and push through if he could. I think they've improved some of that with patches uh, later on. I was playing um, a year ago and I still... It, it was still... Because it, it is super yeah. good. Like, all I want to hear from this is it's like 7 minus the stupid yeah. bombs. But, yeah, we'll be back after a break. We're going to talk about games that we want to see make a return.
Welcome back. I hope that uh, upbeat and jazzy music that Tim found was really entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) You do this to me every time, man. I know. (laughs) But we're back and we're going to talk about game franchises and IP that have, you know, once tickled our entertainments and uh, disappeared for some reason or another. Something became not popular or, you know, who knows executives couldn't make money out of it anymore is probably the real reason but because the games industry is pretty much dearth of ideas in any of the major publishing houses uh we thought we might give them some that they could revisit and and you know not have to think at all with that in mind we're gonna just go <laughs> around around the table here and talk about some uh classic series that you know we love and we would love to see revisited um I, I guess we'll start with Rob because look, we have a suspicion that Rob's going to have some weird shit in his back catalogue that he wants to see again, and I, I'm keen to hear all about it. As much as I do, my selections here are mostly appreciative. Um, <laughs> I, I sort of like, I did actually struggle to go really deep on really obscure stuff, but I may as well start with the most obscure one I've got here, and that yeah, is go for it. Um, a game called Mercenary. Um, Mercenary was originally written for home computers in the 1980s. It was an effort by a chap sadly no longer with us by the name of Paul Wokes. And the idea was is you were a mercenary and you crash landed on this planet called Targ. Um, The game was in 3D, so it was all wireframe 3D. And the idea was you had to make it, you had to get a ship to get off the planet. And this Mm -hmm. planet was like, you know, in a state of war between two factions and you could sort of side with either one and, like, do missions and earn money and earn stuff. Um, the game was, like, open world in, like, the mid-1980s, and it had a couple of sequels that sort of expanded the scope to, like, uh, I think the second one was in a, was across a star system, and it was, like, the mission you were meant to be doing when your ship crashed. Um, but I think just keeping, like, that first, the scope of the first game to a single planet, um, having, like, a wide open environment with a lot more, a lot more detail in the environments. You know, you think of like, like more recent RPGs like Cyberpunk and whatnot, where there's you know a nice detailed <laughs> city. I'm looking at a screenshot from this right now, and you just reference Cyberpunk, and it's <laughs> oh my gosh! Like just just in a modern sense of what you do with it in a modern sense, you have a much more detailed city to go around. Probably a lot more nuance in factions and whatnot. Maybe more than than the two. Like I could see it working out as an expansion of the ideas and taking advantage of what, you know, more powerful processing that we've got to handle. Um, yeah. It's a sort of a bit of a special series for just doing what it did on the limited systems of the, of the eighties. And like, yeah, I'd love to say, I think the potential is there to go so much further with what we've got on hand today with some enterprising devs. Yeah. This came, I, cause I immediately looked this up cause you're, you're right. I'd never heard of it before. Um, this is a 3d game that came out in 1985 yeah. Wow. Like wireframe 3D. And it's like the original version on, it was originally for the Atari home computers and got ported to a whole bunch of other machines. And yep. it's like pretty decent speed for that time on, on that kind of hardware. So it was a lot of lot of technical prowess. Um, mm, very cool. I, I have not heard of it. But I, I kind of want to segue there because one of the games I actually had on my list was Mercenaries. Uh, ah. the, the the Australian uh, developed uh, I remember, remember that yeah yeah that like the first one on the Xbox uh, the second one kind of had its problems right but the first one 
I loved the fact there was this massive open world. It didn't really have a story. It just gave you this list of this kill list, essentially, uh, of of bad guys to just track down in this open world, and and it was it was full of this kind of just cause level chaos and. Uh, it had a real tongue-in-cheek look at war, and, and I had a blast with it. There was, like, four mercenaries you could choose from. They all had different, like, cla- like class characteristics and things like that. And, and you know, for an early um, Xbox game, because I'm pretty sure it came on probably mid. I thought it was on both. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought it was an Xbox exclusive for some reason. But yeah. Just before the 360 came out, I would guess. And... They did it open world really well on that on that that system. Like there was a lot to do. It was a, it was very expansive. You know, there was vehicles that was there was helicopters and 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 cars and everything that you could take control and of. The destructibility. Yeah, all the buildings were destructible. Like it was a legitimate option to find one of your targets in the top of a tower and just blow the whole fucking building <laughs> up. Like like you know, <laughs> I don't want to worry about a sniper shot when I could just blow the whole thing up who cares there's only bad guys in there anyway and, <laughs> and, and, and you could do stuff like that yeah and, and it was super cool you could call in airstrikes and 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 long-range missile launches and all this sort of stuff were like bonus powers and it was it was ridiculous and over the top but it 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 was very cool and i think i'd love to see something uh with that kind of sense of ridiculousness uh, and open world just kind of make your own fun i think just cause kind of went off the rails a bit with too many systems i think that's what caused its and technical problems with both three and four but that was in the same sort of vein you know where it was kind of less about the story and more about just having fun with the tools they give you and i kind of want to see something do that on a you know, Elden Ring scale or a Grand Theft Auto Five scale, you know, where you can just throw it into this world. You've got a list of targets. Find them, kill them. It's up to you. Do it however you want. Within the world's rules, go nuts. And that, that's what Mercenaries did really well, I think. Kind of like Hitman flipped on its head. Yeah, kind <laughs> of, yeah. The reverse, the reverse Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sneak up to anyone and kill one. Kill them all. Save time. Uh, <laughs> Ken, what 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 do you want to see come back? Ooh, I've got a few, and um, I've got a few. I might Nintendogs. I might go with the first one. Oh wow! One. Okay. 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 Not what I saw that coming. Was a moment in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really liked the Nintendogs when it came out on the DS. Like. It was just such a, like, pleasant, positive, refreshing experience. And, you know, what with Switch Now and multiple, like, Steam Deck type, like, portables and just effective, you effectively have a mobile, you know, a gaming device in every mobile phone. I just imagine that, you know, it's such, it feels like such a great companion game to have. And, you know, all the things that they were doing with DS, like motion, the motion and the stylus and that sort of thing, that's easily, it, well, not easily, but, you know, that can be replicated on your mobile phone with your touch screen and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I would really, really like to see that. Like, I just want another, like, um, uh, just what's the name of the dog now? 
the well, uh, you, the dog. You named it yourself. My sister named her as Prince. I seem to recall. No, the the the, the breed of dog that was in Cowboy oh. Bebop. Corgi, Welsh Corgi. Corgi, yeah, the Welsh Corgi. I, I only know that because you said Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Queen had a bunch of them too. Yeah, the Welsh yes. Corgi. Love a Welsh matter, Corgi. Though. Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I know. I. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then you know, you give them a bath, and like it's 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 very Tamagotchi, like that yeah. type of thing. I, and I think electronic pets are kind of making a little bit of a comeback because you know, my, my I son would be recently fascinated got, to see people like, around about playing this. I've seen yeah. Tamagotchis back in the yeah. world recently. Tamagotchis, like my nieces uh, have all got them. Yeah, yeah, and um, my son has got got something similar. It's called a Bitsy, so like sort of that that kind of pocket pocket. Yeah type thing is kind of coming back. So Nintendogs just feels like it's time. It's time. Right. If this happens, though, can I fully expect you to be on this show talking about how much you're in love with it? I'm going to put you on oh, the yeah. review for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. How we much should. do I... Yeah, how much do I love the good boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it's your turn, Tim. Are you going to shock us as much as Ken did with Nintendogs. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously Teddy Boy needs to make a comeback. Teddy Boy? Oh, I don't know that. Huge, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly joking. It was the second game I ever bought with my own money, and I didn't know you could get refunds at the time. <laughs> um, Master System game, never really liked it very much, even though I, I was actually too young to know better, and I still knew better. No, um, Remake Skies of Arcadia, you cowards. Oh, <laughs> like a proper one because they uh, don't they always just re-release the yeah I think well, they haven't even done that like they kind of took the Dreamcast game and like added a new character and put it on the GameCube but that's the last time any form of release of Skies of Arcadia has happened oh right I, was, thinking... I thought it was like one of those dodgy square re- redos where they did redid like Chrono Trigger and that and it was just kind of port to the PC and yeah. No, even, yeah, I kept thinking even, that, even just like an HD port to the PC at this point would probably be more than what we mean would probably be something I'm not I, I never played it so yeah it was kind of, you know it was on systems I never had yeah, but yeah Dreamcast baby and yeah it was kind of like it was, I don't like this kind of the marquee Dreamcast JRPG um, feel like weirdly differentiated itself at the time by one being upbeat when everything was turning immediately like kind of gloomy and emo and edgelord. Yeah. Um, that, My and Chemical it, Romance was pretty popular at that time. That's right about when they were starting yeah. to like bubble up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you went from Cloud, who's probably a more deep, deeper character than I think his character true does, to Squall in like the Final Fantasy game, so like just getting lots of angsty teenagers. And then you had like Skies of Arcade with Vise, who was kind of like Almost, um, you know, the predecessor to Amichiban in some ways. Oh, actually. Right. Super, super keen. <laughs> super, like, eager, always eager. willing to help. Like, we can do this. We are going to fulfill our dreams. Nothing is going to stop us. Yeah, we just need to keep them believing in ourselves. Let's go. Um, set nice. Us, but, yeah, it's kind of, like, played to a lot of, like, kind of adventure story anime, like, tropes. And, like, played to them quite openly. It's just, like, a simple world-shrotting kind of thing. Except, you know, ships sailing in the sky, which is a thing that's been done before. Although, weirdly, not that much in video games. you think it would be um, right for that. But I would love to see either a sequel or maybe actually prequel. Like, find out, like, how the world ended up being this kind of series of floating islands, which seems like an incredibly dangerous place to live. <laughs> 
<laughs> but honestly, like even just like even just like a bare bones remake, it's like, hey, it's in HD now and widescreen, and you can play it on something that you actually own that is plugged in. <laughs> so you're not asking much. You're just one of those it's like, AI it's like, upreses. It's fast fascinating to me that like sega has just like let let this dwindle because it has a i mean it's not the biggest fan base but it's probably like a dedicated enough one that everybody would buy it well they just spruiked like five new revivals didn't they sega so, yeah and- they finally made me not well i guess um bummer cyberpunk has removed the need to shout too much about jet set radio but yeah, like, yeah. good job on like crazy taxi because i always feel crazy taxi died at a weird time like it felt yeah. like because Three on the Xbox was just kind of like totally missed the mark, but also like those early kind of online only games when you know the hard discs are too small to really make full digital ownership. Yep. And the, the the summer of arcade era, of like yeah, yeah, like two thousand eight ish, seemed like that seemed like the perfect place to drop a new Crazy Taxi game. And yeah, absolutely, it just vanished from existence. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. Like Crazy Taxi, especially was just the perfect pick-up-and-play game that you play with mates and, you know, you'd try and beat each other's times. And I, I do miss those days a lot, you know, sitting no, around the, the couch and doing stuff like that. Been, there's been a few sort of, like, indie attempts to do something similar. They've just never, they've never nailed the feel. Like, Crazy Taxi mm, really yeah. did have, like, a certain something. The, it's a manic, the closest it's a thing I've felt to it is the minigame in Yakuza 8. The thing is about these games is they those are the most Sega feeling products in the face of the earth. So it's kind of appropriate yep. that they they are the ones that yeah, they that nailed the crazy taxi feel. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I guess we're back with Rob. Okay. Um. All right. So number two on my list here um is Syndicate. I think the original. Oh yeah. Right. I think I'm the here. original Syndicate because Syndicate was roughly at, around the same time as the as the first XCOM game, um, UFO yep. Enemy Unknown. And that, you know, those modern x games are incredible. Uh, really, like, revitalize that, that genre, turn-based really. strategy. Yeah. That genre. Reach yeah. into the choir there, Rob. You're preaching. Yeah, I, yeah, I would, yeah. you would agree with me on this. Um, so I think Syndicate deserves the same kind of revival. Yeah. Because the last time they tried, you had that... that it was Starbreeze, wasn't it, that did it? Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. And it was a fun shooter, but it, it was wasn't okay. really... Syndicate. It, was also- it wasn't Syndicate. It also wasn't yeah, full-fat Starbreeze. I think at that point they'd splintered off into machine games. Yeah, I think machine ah. games had, had bailed at that point. At that point, so yeah. Starbreeze yeah. in so, name, but only like... But it had a really that. good cast from memory too, like Michael Wincott and Rosaria Dawson and a few others were so in the here's voice like cast, a but... weird thing that I happen to have sitting next to me. I enjoyed it, but yeah, it didn't. it wasn't Syndicate. It wasn't the Syndicate I played as a kid, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. think that, like, again, like I sort of commented earlier about Mercenary, I think you could do a lot of that, expand upon that world to have, like, a bit more of an open world thing in there. Because, um, you know, they sort of tried it a bit with Syndicate Wars. Yeah. Um, but that, it it was a little clumsy, because a little clumsy to control. But I think now, you know, a lot of the, how you would approach the user interface, we've learned a lot in, you know, almost 30 years. Yeah, yeah. 30 years since Syndicate War, almost 30 since Syndicate Wars, jeez. Um, but I think that, you know, we've got a lot of lessons learned that we could actually do a big open city, like multiple open cities, and have, you know, some more sophistication in, like, your objectives in terms of tracking them, you know, lessons learned from, like, Hitman and and games like that. I think you could 
have the sandbox be a lot more interesting and a lot more involved. And I think that yeah. that's where I see the potential to pick up and build upon. And I kind of want to mess around with that environment again, you know, going nuts with the Persuadatron, getting a crowd of, of, of poor hapless civilians to act as, to act as, you know, decoy fodder um, yeah, yeah. in staging a, a covert raid or something. I think you could do so much with it. Yeah, no, I, I well, the XCOM team, um, they finished Marvel, Midnight Suns. They haven't announced what they're doing next, but unfortunately, Midnight Suns didn't hit the sales that they wanted, which yeah. is because it was amazing. Uh, but also, it, Syndicate's trapped in the bowels of EA, so. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll give it to one of their, the, they, mean, they're pretty big on getting those indie yeah. devs so up would, and running. So I maybe. would consider Bomber of Cyberpunk as negating the need I'm still happy that Sega's doing it as negating the need for a new Jet Set Radio. So it could they could still make a new syndicate in basically orbit name. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean there was Satellite Rain, um, which had one of the, the original devs who was at Five Lives doing yeah. it. And that didn't quite hit the mark either. It was no. alright, but it didn't quite hit the mark. It, it kinda yeah, there's something about that felt not there. I don't know. Yeah. It just never clicked with me. I know a lot of people enjoyed it, but it just didn't quite work for me. Um Satellite, satellite rain. rain. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just about to say satellite rain. Um, yeah. Well, myself, like, um, it. Yeah. Yeah, it never quite got there. Hmm. Oh, all right. Well, I think is it my turn. It is my turn. I've got one here. I think, and Rob, Rob will be with me on this one. Uh, I, I, feel, I have a feel that he'll, he'll be here. The Crondor games, because. <sighs> The betrayal at Crondor and escape. Uh, what was it? It was betrayal at Crondor escape and escape from. Is that it? Escape from Crondor. That sounds or, right. Um, yeah, oh, I know, there was two. I know the series. I actually never played them. Um, I, oh, didn't you? They were fan. No, I, was, I, was, I, I heard a lot of decent things about them, but yeah, I I wasn't PC gaming when the first one came out, no. and so I completely skipped the sequel. Yeah. When that also, hit. this is just like Huzo reliving his like. Uh, early 90s like side uh, uh, fantasy David Eddings Raymond E. Feist yeah absolutely <laughs> Feist is my favourite author of all time so yes that has something to do with it um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah I, I love those RPGs and I feel like there's this kind of it started with Pillars of Eternity um, and it's kind of culminated with Baldur's Gate 3 that this this move back towards that more complex type of computer RPG, yeah, um, and I think it'd be wonderful. It'd obviously need a complete because this was early '90s RPG stuff. So, um, and Raymond E. Feist wrote the story for it, which was very cool. Um, he then translated them into books, and it's so obvious if you read those books that it was written for a video game because it's like, <laughs> here's a quest. Go do the quest. You, know? <laughs> you, you, yeah. you read the books knowing they were written for a video game, and you go, yeah, that's that's a video game book, right? But anyway, aside from that, um, it, they were really, really good in that they brought uh, the characters from the Magician series, so Pug and, and Thomas, the main characters, but they were kind of sideshows in this story and they focused on some newer characters and gave people, obviously, the ability to upgrade them and, and you know, improve their skills and all that sort of stuff that you do in an RPG. And it was a really, it was a really solid classic role-playing game from that era. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to see a full Baldur's Gate kind of 
take on it. And, and it was, I think from memory, it's been a long time. It was kind of half first person, half. 1993, man. Yeah. Yeah. Half first person and half kind of third person. Um, like some of those Ultima games kind of were. Um, and yeah, I'd love to see someone tackle that again. I, it'd have to be though. Like you couldn't do it as a like Skyrim style RPG. It'd have to be, I think, either turn based or, you know, with a timing based combat system of some kind. Um, to be enjoyable, I think, just knowing the subject matter. But I'd really love to see Reeves. I mean, he's the magician is on like every you must read list ever. Uh, Feist is a well known author that you know obviously has a lot of pull. I, I don't see why they they couldn't do it and be successful. <clears throat> It would need a bit of a visual overhaul, though. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Stylistically, I think it, even, it's, oh, my gosh, it's, it's, of its, it's, a, no, it's a ground-up yeah, remake sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, this would have to be a complete from You couldn't just polish up what exists. It would, yeah, it would happen. No, no, no. It's a ground-up job. But I think at the right studio, you know, and you say Larian because of Baldur's Gate, but, you know, Obsidian or, um, you know, someone like that, I think could do a, a really good job with with that. But who knows? I mean, I'd love to see it. It's not going to happen, but... Tim. Yeah. Oh, man, you both... Are we really no, I skipped Ken. It was Ken. Um, Ken, sorry. We have to do it Ken. in order, do we? Oh, it in we order? do. We did it in order. We, we stay with order. Let's go with order. Ken. Um, I'm just going to rattle off a few names because mm. it's more like a category of games rather than a single one. Yep. Uh, um, I would love to see, again, you know, reliving the the early to mid-90s teenage years, like a bunch of the uh, arcade games that existed at that time. So I'm just rattling off a few things, things like the Dungeons & Dragons Capcom series, like a yeah. proper redo, um, because, you know, Tower of Doom, Shadow of Mistara, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, vanilla software's Dragon's Crown is like a quite a close, like, I really like that. Yeah, I yep. wish they brought that back. Light gun games like Time Crisis, Point Blank, Virtual Cop. It'd be very interesting to see, like, whether Point Blank they, came. There literally is a Point Blank. It's Point Blank in everything but name, and it's a VR game. And I played it at PAX. It's called On Point, and I've got a copy of it here, and it works for my VR. And it's Point Blank, and it's fantastic. I love it. It's really I mean, VR is one thing, so so that's yeah. that's where my first thought went to, like, it's that type of game, VR, but I, yeah. I was also thinking, like, Time Crisis, but also, like, Ooh, yeah. what what would a peripheral, like, for a, for a PC, what, would a peripheral like that work? Because the old light gun games, they depended on, I think, just because the CRT was a CRT, the CRT right? technology, like, yeah. like mm-hmm. it depended on that. Um, I don't gyroscope know. in the controller is good enough. I'd probably. I, I've got uh, my main cabinet downstairs, and it's got a light gun, and it's got a light bar above the screen, so I can play Point Blank on it, and it works well. Um, it uses a light bar system, but the only catch is it shows a reticule on the screen, so right. it's obviously got you know something there. But obviously, that technology can work. You could definitely yeah. do something with a modern. Something. You don't need yeah. that old. I don't yeah. know, but I would love to see a time crisis or a virtual cop where there's a narrative to it or, you know, some pre- yeah. pretense at a narrative. Um, <laughs> something ridiculously crazy. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then, like, a cabinet game, like a virtual on, or... I, you know what, Ken? I'm just down with the idea of, like, bring back arcades. 
Yeah, well, yeah. effectively, yeah, bring back Just arcade. bring back Sega World, right? Just bring back all of those things. Blue bring back Darling Harbour. My gosh, I remember that. Really, yeah. Really <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> yeah. Put put back the V uh, the Virtual Fighter three specifically Virtual Fighter three cabinet and <laughs> um, the uh, ridiculously like uh, Super Street Fighter Turbo Hyper Remix the one from Brazil where where every time you do a fireball it throws out forty because somebody yes, modded yes. it. <laughs> yeah, yep. I remember those. Used to have and one at the fish and chip shop that would the ultimately it, yeah. modded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you throw a, 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 a dial somersault kick like all these flashes just fly out like yeah, yeah like yeah. crazy modded. just like effectively just relive my my ni- mid 90s arcade so obsession so many requirements to go with that and I want them all- it also like required like the destruction of the internet and the like revival of cheat code uh, magazines so that it would be a weird mystery that for some reason Bill Clinton was now on your NBA jam and you had no idea how it happened it was just there and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> that, 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 didn't, that didn't appear in my local roller skating rink I'm afraid but it was like, oh, that's how I learned I'm who pretty Bill Clinton sure. was actually I think it was if anyone listens to this, I'm pretty sure if you put your date, your date as your name as S N O, and the date was January the thirteenth was your birth date. That got you the Fresh Prince of Bel Air in the arcade. I'm pretty sure that was it. Don't Google it; just take like, his word for it and see if you can make it work. <laughs> I think. I did play that game a lot. (laughs) Like ultimately, like I just want to relive those arcade days because I recently went to Time Zone and it's so depressing. Oh, isn't it? It's It's just because it's all like the tickets, the tickets games. Yeah, yeah. There's not any games at all. Like, well, Minecraft Dungeons is pretty decent, dude. Even focused, even in Osaka at this point. Like, there are a couple of arcades. down nearish number, but they're they're retro halls. They're kind of like nostalgia centers. This, hmm. yeah, it's so depressing. I remember going into you know I, there was one in where I grew up. It was known for being twenty cents a game unless that were like driving cabinets. Uh, driving or light gun games cost more, but everything else was twenty cents. So Street Fighter, like Mortal Kombat. What the hell? Um, it was it was insane. We used to go there all the time. You know, you raid your dad's ashtray out of the car and go down. <laughs> yeah. Well, like to stop this, like going into the reminisce about nineties yeah. arcades. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Time Zone was just so depressing. Yeah, it's just like totally. ticket games, Monopoly, Flappy Bird, but tickets. Um. Yeah. Like yeah, so coin bad. games and that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, where, yeah. where is my? Youth? I would- I would love to see what would happen if they became... Because, yeah, like, recently when um, Daytona 2 was in before, um, like, yeah. Dragon, the man who raised his name, whatever, Digital Foundry did, like, a whole deep dive into that and, like, the Model 3 board and he was kind of trying to explain it as, like, what it was like seeing a game like Virtual Fighter 3 or Daytona 2 in the arcade at the time. It's like, imagine if there were games just made for the GTA with the 4090 in mind and they could just take... Just assume everything. Just assume, like, just take for granted that that was the graphics hardware. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was. It was. There were there. There were fun days. Yeah. All right, Tim. Yeah. Batter up. Uh, yeah. All. All three of you have now like given me a segue to different things. I'm just guessing the <laughs> three things like really quickly. So first, yeah, Virtual Fighter Six. Come on, like, ah. Virtual Fighter yeah. Five was 2005 or 2006, I think. It's been a long time. Yep. Yeah, um, I agree. 
I, don't, I would like to see it happen as an arcade thing, but I would just take a PS5 game at this point, I think. Yeah, I think the scale for a fighter nowadays is so much grander, so much grander than they used to be. So that is problematic. Like, I think Mortal Kombat, in a lot of ways, created a lot of extra work for fighting game devs. By oh, we've got to do what single player like, shit like, now. Uh, <laughs> if, I, I guess you have to look at like what the sales are like for each of these because if it seems like there's yeah. like more interest in the genre again, then it may like yeah. offset. It may make sense. Yeah. Um, whatever. But yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, in some ways good because Virtua Fighter has never had great single player content, which honestly, no. personally, I would want because I would rather, I'd probably mostly want to play that and then occasionally if I have friends around and want to play it there, I'm not really into like online competition so much. Um, so yeah, um, jumping off, jumping off from Robin, I had literally a PC DVD ROM box of Syndicate, which I believe actually <laughs> has a DVD in it. Um, although I'm pretty sure it just still opened the origin thing and said, okay, put in your product key and then it downloaded it anyway. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was that, that was that era where that change was starting to really happen. Um, but no, like let's go back a little bit further. I, I like classic Starbreeze. I want another darkness. Yeah, mm. nice. Or even nice. again, I would just take like, a, like a HD Redo of the first game. That yeah. first game was like, it wasn't a great shooter, but once you understood that being a shooter was not what it was trying to do, oh my God, it was such yeah. a good game. And Mike Patton as the darkness oh, itself. Was like, great great so good. Great <laughs> um, that, that, I mean, it, it had a sequel that was an okay shooter in its own right, but it was very different and not the same type. It was. It was Digital Extremes did that, which they've obviously gone on and done Warframe and made a shitload of money with fair, that. Yeah, but... um, the Darkness 2 was actually actually completely fine, but the first it was, was like something... Yeah special and like it's just never really come around or even that that, or Riddick I'll take one or the other Riddick was amazing like to this day it's one of the best licensed games I think ever made what they did with essentially a B license really like Riddick was a kind of had some yeah, this is the kind of had some power at the time. But... Essentially, that then went and made Wolfenstein like a thinking yeah. kind of game as well, so. and making and making indie too. Which I know Tim's not super keen on, but I'm, I'm glad to see I'm them keen doing to indie. Play it, but I would, if yeah. it, it makes sense, like if you want a game where you're going to punch some Nazis in the face, this seems to be a good team to you give get it the Wolfenstein guys. Wolfenstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just personally prefer it if they were able to go back to some of the other wells. Yeah. Um. In instead and i've actually forgotten where it like where i was going from huso had me gone somewhere oh yeah right 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 i wanted you gave you like three gave me like four sorry um wow that is like a... yeah i would love a new gabriel like game i think i remember playing the demo of one of those on a pc powerplay magazine disc See how vaguely was... yeah it would have been two or three yeah three i think so i think so because two yeah. was two was fmv arama like, yeah. like, you know, I loads of CDs. I played years and after the fact and never... Like, really Ted Murphy game. Was yeah. A big thing. It was, like, it was like the good FMV game. It was a general consensus around the mid-90s. <laughs> um, 3 was weird. No, I, was- I super, super love Gabriel Knight 3, despite a couple of really, really dumb puzzles and, like, a weird interface. Because I learned how to deal with that interface. And once you solve the two dumb puzzles, the rest of it was actually pretty freaking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's it, legacy is like sadly being kind of tied to like an old man Murray article, and yeah, that 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 puzzle was incredibly dumb. Hmm. But 
the rest of the game was still like super cool and I want that kind of mystery again. Um Sorry, um, I just had to I just had to pause in there like old man Murray is a thing. That's a that's a again, that's an era. That's an era that's an era. About. It's the same era as Yahtzee. <laughs> and that, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I think that was before Yahtzee. It was before Yahtzee, yeah. But it, uh, th- those three words in that particular sequence is <laughs> I have heard. Time to crate. <laughs> I can almost guarantee you that Yahtzee has probably referenced the old man Murray co- critique of Gabriel Knight 3. Like, that that pie is fully baked. <laughs> yep. But no, I would love to see a new one. Um, I would be a bit... Tra- I would want Jane Jensen in some capacity, although the games that she made with that new Pinkerton studio were never really all that good, so I don't know what team I'd want doing it, but I would like to see them have a crack because she had two stories in mind for Gabriel Knight 3 I'd like to see the other one like brought back as a new one like this kind of free throw free who was, who was the team that did Monkey Island that, that was um Toy Box Ron Gilbert's team very different tone though I, I don't yeah. know I, I get Gilbert the tone, is the I don't you... want making a Gabriel Knight game <laughs> yeah. I like that new Monkey Island it, it is his team or did he just jump in there to no it's out. it's um Toy Box is the, a bunch of the folks who he worked with on Thimbleweed Park okay. as well. So, uh, uh, yep. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly who I'd want to make it, but I would love mm. for it to exist. Um, I'm sure Tim Tim Curry would still be down to do some just ridiculous whatever. He's really sick, unfortunately, so probably not. I have not been paying attention. That's sad. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. On that downer note, Rob, lift us up. You've got one more. <laughs> okay. We've got okay. One, more, one more shot at glory here. We've got, we've okay. got one more time around. So so I'm going to be kind of a little hyper-specific with this because yep. I want to I see, like, I'd love to see a remake of the 2D Metal Gear games, the original two MSX Metal Gears. Mm. So the 2D ones, because I'm going to be really snobby Can about this. Can Vengeance you- into the mix just as a weird curveball? <laughs> no, no, I say no. <laughs> so I'm going to be really snobby about this. So if you get that, like the, the Metal Gear Solid HD collection or the recent collection that came out and you play the versions of Metal Gear 1 and 2, the original MSX versions, they're not M- they're not recreated well. Um, yeah. Like I would love to sort of see like a high, de- high def 2D version of them. So keep it 2D, but like make them high def, fix up some of the niggles in the story so like... Niggles Linky in a between- Metal Gear story? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were written so far before, but like, there's, there is, I, I don't, do I need to swallow bits of Metal Gear Solid 5? Um, basically, was- Metal Gear Solid 5 retconned some stuff about the the very first Metal Gear game. Okay. Um, because Rob's the only person who remembers what happened in the first Metal Gear game, so they mostly got away with it. <laughs> yeah, and I remember that all the, all the furor when Metal Gear Solid 5 shipped. Um, but yeah, I think that like, cause there's not a lot of that kind of 2d stealth. Cause you know, I think the last kind of 2d stealth game was wildfire and that was sort yeah. of more side scrolling platformer. Um, and I kind of really liked the way metal gear, those original metal gear games did the stealth. And I guess as a running back to a theme that seems to be running through the games I've picked, I kind of like to think modern tech could do so much more with a lot of the ideas there. And Modern lighting and things modern like lighting, that. Modern lighting, modern environments, like, you know, even keeping a 2D perspective, but having everything 3D rendered. Probably even having better AI hiding. on the guards and how they react yeah. to stuff. Like. And then you could have more complex levels. I think you could do a lot with it. Um, 3D cardboard boxes. 
Yeah. Um, some like they attempted. I think the the Game Boy Advance game was Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color. It's yes, Metal Gear Solid on the Game Boy Color is incredible. Um, it's it's a sort of weird kind of prequel-ish thing to Metal Gear Solid Two. But it's like it takes a lot. It's two D, but it takes a lot of stuff that was introduced in Metal Gear Solid and brings it over well. It is definitely worth playing if you liked um, if you liked if you like the Metal Gear games. Um, definitely, to your def- point of wanting these back again. There may be somebody listening to this right now who was not even born when the Game Boy Color was a thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very likely. And now I'm just turning to to to, to ash. Turning to dust. <laughs> <laughs> turning to dust. It, I mean, the, I mean, there's, there would be absolutely a whole generation of people who just yeah. assume first. I would um, solid. Um, yeah. is the first Metal Gear game. They, yeah, absolutely. I the wish same you... way people think what Mankind Divided was the first. The Deus Ex. revolution. to relate a story that I think I told Ken a long time ago, back when this podcast was very, very new as part of Pixel Hunt. When I was working in, oh my god, London was so long ago now. When Street Fighter, in the big hype, like Street Fighter 4 was like getting a lot of noise and I was working in game retail at the time back when game retail you know had enough physical presence to matter at Tower Records alright um, or HMV HMV <laughs> um, and that we had a couple of finding game major nerds and stuff so like playing a lot of the, the um, Street Fighter 2 videos like on the demo PS3 screen and then there are like just a couple of like I don't know high school students and they're going man they're just ripping off Tekken they're just ripping off Tekken like unironically gone, this game is ripping off Tekken, yo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. Get off and my that lawn. was way over a decade ago. So. <laughs> 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 oh my. Uh, remember when every first person shooter was a Doom clone? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good couple of years before I think they finally started to find a genre name for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right then. Well, I'll get one more, and look, well, I've got two there, and I'm going to say both of them because they'll make one will make Ken happy, and one will just make me happy. And it's uh, Sleeping Dogs. Yes. Nice. Because nice. Yep. Yep. Because it's fucking criminal that that game has that game a sequel. is so like, good. It's oh still God. fucking awesome. It's amazing. I play that game regularly. It's great. I love it. I want some pork oh, buns. I really, really. <laughs> I enjoyed that oh. one. Sorry, one. The, and the, the, the music. game has. It was an the open music. world game where the combat did suck as well, which. It was great. It was. Everything about that game was fantastic. The and ending I want was to great. Oh my gosh, that. that last mission. Like, the missions were good. Yeah. Like, especially back then, like, open world game missions sucked. Yeah, and they were great. Like, it told a really cool. You know, it was just internal affairs again, but it was a great story. Really good. Yeah. I- um, the other one is Jade Empire. But like, oh yeah, well, I was I was gonna one. I, I was wondering when that would come back. Between <laughs> like, that and Alpha Protocol, I was kind of like, on oh, which way is he gonna swing here? No, I, 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 I boy, no, it's, it's Jade, Jade Empire. It's sure. Jade Empire always, <laughs> always and forever. Um, yeah, yeah, I want Jade Empire too. Uh, you know, all those leaked documents that came out when uh, EA bought out. Well, not when EA, but they, they came about because someone left by Jade, Jade Empire was your high school sweetheart that you never forgot. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, except I was 20, 
It's four. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I love that game so much, and I, that's another one I play regularly and enjoy it every time. Um, it just there's, and it's kind of indescribable why it's so appealing to me. I mean, it's easy to argue that Knights of the Old Republic is a better game than Jade Empire, but I, and I loved Knights of the Old Republic, but this. This just just hit the spot for me. I really enjoyed it. It's it's very cool, and it has a quite a cool cameo from John Cleese in it, which doesn't get mentioned at all. Ah, I did not actually know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the one British douchebag in the whole game, and he's an absolute toolbag that comes in and tries to convince everyone that guns are better than swords. And yeah, you've got a whole you've got a whole mission where you've got to have a, have a philosophical debate with him about why. Um, swords are better than guns so he he's he remains true to form to the to to whoever he is right now then yeah absolutely like it was an early precursor to his uh, boomer days (laughs) 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 it is it is a bit upsetting that john cleese is um a douchebag (laughs) (laughs) but anyway again last shot Last shot. I'm gonna go super specific as well, um, and I feel like this is something Rob might get on board with. Uh, super Star Trek. Oh, the, like the text-based, a text-based one. Text-based. Oh, from nineteen. Want it to be text-based. That's, a, that's a, <laughs> no. Well, not that necessary. Would throw text- so many people for a loop. Wow. Can you imagine that? Like kids having to type and learn to read? I would would love another, like effectively a a Starship simulator type game in where you type out commands, effectively. You've got to learn MS-DOS before you can play it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to convene the memory of the ship computer. Slash, slash, directory. (laughs) Look, I'm imagining, I've I've already imagined this in my head. I I have genuinely thought about, like, maybe I should go learn some coding or practice coding and try to make this. But I I already sort of imagine, like, a user interface that's kind of like, um, um, not DEF CON, the other game, um, that hacking uplink. game. Uplink. Uplink, yeah, yeah. Where the interface just looks like, yeah, your computer screen interface. Yeah. So you don't actually see space. You don't actually see... Um, um, you're just some pleb in some cupboard you're, down at the bottom a, of the starship. <laughs> you're in, no, you see a screen, and that, that is yeah. your command screen. Effectively, it's... Uh, I, I want... Oh, what's the... Cr- shoot. Uh, this game immediately just... The space sim, um, the space simulator. Those those Aussies made. Oh, um, uh, objects in space. Yeah, objects in space. Like effectively, I want another objects in space, but Star Trek. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I want a big I license mean... tied to a game that is text based. I just want to watch the internet react. <laughs> text based, like you just have to you have to type everything out. You send commands to the to, new to, John Wick game is text based. Oh. <laughs> it's not actually that. I mean, John Wick he- John Wick Hex was was yeah not what no, was but, expected, but it worked. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, imagine if John Wick you it was a John Wick game text based, but you were the telephone operator. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Like you were the operator, like plugging in jobs, and you're literally typing those like, right. like 
how much money, like open contract, and then you can start faxing it out, and everybody gets a text. All all the assassins get a text message or whatever. I actually kind. I, I know he doesn't, but I really hope that Mike Bethel is listening to this podcast because that is actually something he could make. That is plausibly something that could happen. Oh. <laughs> like, imagine that. Like like I really like. I really like this this game where the like the idea of the game where your interface of the screen just mirrors a real what a real interface might look like so like objects in space um super star trek um uplink like where it's not you're not looking at graphics you're not looking at like a character or an avatar like you're typing things into a screen and the screen just reacts to your like instructions Yeah. Your words and your instructions. So, like, I I want something like that, Super Star Trek. But yeah, like, expand that to to like John Wick operator. That'd be cool. cool. That would also be that cool. Would be cool. I'd be happy to see either of those again. Just watch the internet explode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one, Tim. We're at, we're at the end here. Yeah, Bring I us would, home. I would like to thank um Huso for like already mentioning Sleeping Dogs, so I I can get like get that one as like a free. Oh no. <laughs> pre-slide in i'm gonna like just yeah just throw a bunch of these into a bag and say i just want like the racing games that i actually enjoyed playing to come back again so and stunts <laughs> i mean split second stunt yeah split second i think was you but yeah i would be curious <laughs> to play news i never had a decided for split second i would be curious to play it again but no, like like daytona or ridge race just like bring back like fully hardcore just out and out shameless arcade style races. There is one coming this year called Rec Nation, which very much is putting me in the minds of stunts. In that there's loop the loops and you create your own tracks, and there's, there's a bit of uh, burnout in there as well with the crashes and stuff. But yeah, very very arcadey looking thing. Is that the Wreckfest so, guys? Rec Rec uh, not Rec Nation. Rec Rec. Re- I know recreation. Yeah. Rec- recreation. Yeah. Is that by them though? I think so. I Ooh. think so. Ooh, that's very but, intriguing. Yeah, it, it looks stupid and like stunts, and you've got tra- cra- uh, track creator where you can do loop de loops and uh, corkscrews and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of keen to see how that turn out because yeah, I'm with you, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I would like the problem is like the the lead person who made stunts. He's a douchebag. Oh god! <laughs> He's the same guy who tanked the Xbox One just just for like. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. distinctive. Yes, yes. John Matrick. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they started out doing te- well before. Well, got well, the name just, for driving games through test drive. Just imagine oh. like what a modern Ridge Racer could be. Like even if it's just yeah. like all the classic tracks and here are a few new ones. With just yeah. super, because the thing is, there are a lot of visual complications that an arcade racer almost shouldn't have. You don't want damage modeling. You, yeah, you could make that thing look. And we haven't seen like a game like that or Daytona like running even on last gen hardware. Really, like the visual, like the visual potential impact of that would just be like, I would feel a little bit like I was seeing a high tech arcade machine again. Yeah, like just a pure Ridge Racer, Daytona, whatever yeah. on PS5 or Xbox Series. Just like I think inadvertently, Forza Horizon was the death of those games. Yeah, mm. Forza Horizon is a game I 
like and enjoy the idea of it. At the same time, I want just arcade track racing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that is inadvertently been the death of that sort of game because it's it's not full That's sim, but it offers quite a where the accessible experience is kind of gone. Yeah, yeah. I or feel like that because for that matter, like Sony, what were you doing when you destroyed Evolution Studios? Yeah. Stuff? yeah. Te- oh. Test Drive Unlimited has got a new one coming out this Solar year. Solar Crown. Which feels very, this is Forza, our version. Um, yeah, that's, that's the crew did Forza, our version last year. You know, like, that's I feel halfway like. Halfway there, that's like, I have an interest in playing those, yeah. but I'm not, like, I. If, this, but you, you don't, you don't want Namco the open world. It's just like. Mm. Here is some stupid, weird Japanese techno music, and like here are some palm trees, and a car is power sliding at a fifty, sorry, ninety degree angle around that corner. That is what I want to see. And also make also make it a pack in for the next console. (laughs) I can't have to wait for the next console with a with a stupid controller that twists. (laughs) Oh, Oh, at PAX last year, that that a, a tournament with the. An enhanced version of Ridge Racer on the PlayStation with the the one that's it's not the one that turns it it's the one with the jog dial. Oh, oh gosh, right. that was the most nightmarish experience I think I'd ever had in some time. That twisty one was so confusing. I never actually saw one in real life. It just occasionally saw pictures of it in like Kmart junk mail. I or had a friend that had like, one. It was what wild. What is this thing? I remember playing the original Need for Speed with that thing, and it was insane. It was wild, like. I could never get the hang of it. Just give me the D-pad, guys. Like, this is where it's at. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) On that odd look at controllers history past, we might leave and uh, move on into the sunset. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Where can we find you, Rob, on... um, the 900-odd social media sites that there are now, apparently we've all got to be up on. Well, the one that I, I think that we, we, we tend to agree is the one to default share is Blue Sky, and that's yeah. just um, Rob Cap, because I'm not going to stick my full name because of how long it makes the, the URLs there. <laughs> um, and then there's, of course, my YouTube stuff, um, youtube.com slash at beyond the scanlines. Um the first episode of the year was pretty pretty niche, so I won't mention it. But the last big thing I did that might be of some interest was a look at most of the ports of the original Star Control, which rounded out last year. And I'm back to working on some stuff, and I have some interesting plans for this year. And hopefully, we'll get to start picking up some st- some uh, stuff for P2 soon. I'm sure there'll be more Atari games that come into my <laughs> yeah, and hopefully there'll be Rob's some name up. on it. They all go, "Hey, you've got <laughs> that guy that likes have this shit." Forward. <laughs> Yeah, please pass the rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tim. Yeah. Um, yourself. Yeah, Blue Sky as well. Actually causing a dilemma because I still don't have PMing and I would usually just communicate with you so about this via Twitter DMs and I've like not yeah. been opening Twitter on a daily basis remotely lately. <laughs> um, but yeah, this um, pretend be it at Blue Sky. Awesome. And your recent review of the Cub, the Cub yes, that is, is up on Player 2. That is up. That is a game that is going to be forgotten after a month, sadly, but it's not bad. It's not bad. Ken? I am at Pixel Hunt on both Twitter and Blue Sky. 
Excellent. And Ken is promising to do player two players like he does every episode. Uh, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to do, well, I'm probably going to do a quick one off on, on when, when all the kids are back at school and I got a bit of dig quiet, up your Dig up your there. DS. Uh, do the Nintendogs. Just put a GoPro on your head and, and well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> while you're just, patting your corgi. Yep. Just do just do Nintendogs and Chibi Robo. Yeah, nice, nice. Oh my, yeah. Chibi Robo. That's one I did not think about. <laughs> you can find me at Huso81 on Twitter and Huso at everywhere else. Um, I had my uh, Like a Dragon review and Tekken 8 review go up on the same day within one hour on the embargo. So that was fun, but I got there in the end with very little sleep. Um, and head over to Play 2, obviously, for everything. It is our 10th anniversary coming up uh, in February very soon. So um, I haven't worked out what I'm going to do for that yet because I've been really busy. So. <laughs> Beating review embargoes. But yeah, we'll do something, I'm sure. So keep an eye out for that. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. Uh, make sure you head over to player2.net.au to check out all of our stuff. And we'll catch you next time when we decide to get together and talk shit for too long. Or when I, you know, send out an email saying, hey, somebody. Somebody host somebody, this thing. Yo, Do it. Yo. <laughs> Help. <laughs> yo. Nobody wants one man talking. <laughs> no, no, it's just voice. This isn't going to work. <laughs> Someone should tell Ben Shapiro and fucking Joe Rogan that. No one wants to hear one more talk.